Welcome, peasants, to another edition of Sam Brags About His AirPods. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, peons. I would never talk to you about them. This is actually another edition of Sportball with Squam, Stogie, and Skulldog. I'm your boy, Sam. With me, as always, are these two, I don't want to say gods. Maybe Adonises, Odonai. <laughs> Seth and Kyle, welcome, boys. Hello, hello. Hi. How are your states and minds? Uh, I'm pretty much, since our last podcast, reborn again because I've gone viral. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Kyle, tell all our five listeners, which should have turned into thousands of listeners but didn't somehow, tell them about how you went viral. Uh, So, post-game one of the Boston Celtics series, as we all know, uh, Boston clapped those cheeks like we all knew they would. (laughs) We'll talk about that later as well. And uh, if you haven't seen the old LeBron James meme of wearing a do-rag and a cigarette, and then well, pho- some cigarette words. was photoshopped in. Yes, both. Don't smoke, kids. Yeah, because LeBron doesn't. I took a picture of Al Horford post game, photoshopped a do-rag and a cigarette in his mouth, and said, "Ante Antikumpo, Auntie got a poodle. Greek freak, Greek yogurt. Don't matter. Celtics in four. <laughs> I've reached 8,000 likes and over 3,000 retweets. Um, so you're welcome to be in my presence today. <laughs> I'm surprised he's still even here. I thought he'd be in the Bahamas by now with a, a top hat and a smile and nothing else. No, I'm just here with uh, my What really got me one. was the Greek yogurt. The Greek yogurt. <laughs> and Kyle seems to be drinking some sort of grape juice. It's the soft white wine. Some sort of fermented the grape softest. juice. It is refreshing, fresh from the vine taste. With hints of sweet peach and mango, and the gentlest of honeysuckle. Oh, I love my honeysuckle gentle. That's for sure. Give your. I'm going to suckle your honey <laughs> gently. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um. So we have a lot to go over in this podcast. Also, we're all going to be watching the Warriors Blazers game that's going on right now. So if we're distracted at any point, that's why. But that's how I am on every podcast. So it should be the same for me. <laughs> that's how sad this. Also, me and Kyle are already at odds because I'm wearing a Draymond Green jersey. So <laughs> if it seems tense, that's why. <laughs> at odds is an understatement, I would say. At each You're other's right, throat. At evens is probably. Yeah, at evens, at least. Kyle rolled his eyes at that one. That's when I know I've made a good pun. <laughs> hey. So uh, here's what we want to go over in this episode. Sorry, Kyle, go ahead. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, Good, I flustered someone's him. someone's name today at work that another person was calling. Her name was Lisa Turtle, and I turned to him. I said, "Ask her how much." No one laughed. Ask her how what? Ask her how much. Oh, to Lisa Turtle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting there almost crying to myself, and no one laughed at all. We think it's a fair price for that, like fifteen hundred a year. At, at the minimum, talking, like, it depends on, I guess, or? the size of the turtle. Right. It has to. Maybe you would say, like, 100 per year per square inch of turtle. That sounds right. That's probably how, you, yeah. how you'd price I mean, it for my, a life that's insurance, That's what my going rate is, but I don't know how my competitors price it. I think that's how life insurance is priced on a turtle. <laughs> All right, so we have a lot to go over this episode. Um, how I have it titled is the uh, NBA Lottery... Reaction playoff second round recap second semifinals preview yeah it actually says twoest round recap <laughs> <laughs> semifinals preview holy shit Kawhi I have a semi podcast five fourteen 
2019. So should we just end it there? I think that it covers it. <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> so um, I really thought Seth was going to laugh when I said I have a semi, but he didn't even giggle at all. I actually did, but my Wi-Fi was like going out for a second, so that everything you were saying was in slow motion, but then it made it even more funny when you said I had a semi. <laughs> <laughs> I had a slow motion semi. So let's I'm go over the then. lottery, which just happened. Um, so we're recording this at nine thirty on Tuesday, Central Standard Time. Central Standard Time, and the lottery just completed. Keep in mind, this is just picking the lottery, not the actual draft. I was watching it with Cassie, and and it ended. She was like, "Okay, so that's it. What are they going to pick the players?" I was like, "Oh no, it's actually much shittier than you thought. <laughs> this is all." <laughs> So, the Pelicans got the first pick. Six percent, not Six percent chance to get it. Right. Yeah. So the NBA, to explain a little further, the NBA changed the odds this year so that the top three teams don't have as much of a, um, as much of a chance of getting the top three picks. So. Even if you were one of the three worst teams in the league, which were the Knicks, the Cavs, and the Suns, all of them only had a 14% chance of getting the number one overall pick, whereas in past years it's been, I think, around 25. And so the odds were a little more even, a little more spread out. And so the Pelicans, who I'm not sure what their odds, Kyle, were, you know, it was like 9, 6%, and they got the first pick, and the Memphis Grizzlies got the second pick. And so it didn't play out exactly, you know, as the standings would predict, which is what the NBA definitely wanted, right? So I think they had to be happy with this first-year result. So let's talk about the Pelicans and what this means for them. So we assume they're going to take Zion Williamson if they keep this pick, right? Um, and it's it's funny to me because the last time we had a, you know, a no-brainer number one overall pick was Anthony Davis, and he was also picked by the New Orleans Pelicans. And they bungled that seven years later, and now they have a chance at another no-brainer number one pick, which I just don't think seems fair. But, you know, happy for the people of New Orleans, I guess, but fuck them. <laughs> He's going to look great in the Smoothie <laughs> Dome or whatever they're playing. Smoothie King Center? Yeah. I'm. Uh, think, what do you guys say something? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I know. I, <laughs> I was supposed to say stuff by now? you... <laughs> Chugging a glass of ice. Um, <laughs> this pick is huge, actually, because reports came out today via The Athletic and our boy Shams that if the Knicks got the number one pick, they were going to go after Anthony Davis with it. So the Knicks don't have the number one pick. The Pelicans locked down Zion without having to give up Anthony Davis for him. Reports right. also came out that Anthony Davis still wants out of New Orleans. So, I mean, I don't think they're going to keep him. I would put it at like 98% chance they trade him. So where does he go? Now, in my opinion, the Lakers kind of have the best package on the board again. They don't have to give up as many young players... And they can give up, the, I'd say, like, what, the fourth pick in the draft and Lonzo. And then, um, you know, to get the salary to fit, you're going to have to give up. I don't even know because everyone was on one-year salaries. So they're going to have to sign someone and trade um, for Anthony Davis. So 
I think the Pelicans end up with two top five picks this year and get rid of Anthony Davis. And one of those top five picks being the most electric man in basketball, Zion Williamson, college basketball. I don't know if I'm ready ready yet to say that they're definitely not going to keep Anthony Davis because they got a new GM, right, who maybe Anthony will be more willing to work with. And they have – they're getting Zion, which maybe – Anthony will be excited to play with him. He said today he wants know. out. <laughs> well, he didn't know they were going to get the number one pick. I guess. You know, that might change things in his mind. I think that just report that came out after it... the draft, though. Let me double check. Oh, really? Even so, though, if I was New Orleans, I'd be like, well, I don't have to trade. So the thing is, New Orleans, you know, they don't have to trade Anthony Davis, and they also just got the number one draft piece that was out there they got for themselves. So if I'm New Orleans, you know, I'm saying I hold all the chips here. Why don't I'm not going to do anything until unless it really blows me away because I don't have to trade you under contract. Yeah, but then they just have the same. They have an entire year of Anthony Davis, basically, not trying and sitting what every four games again, and them sitting him in the second half. So that report did come out after the draft. Anthony Davis' stance on trade has not changed. Hmm. So, is there... I don't actually know this. If it comes to a head, right, and New Orleans is like, well, we're not going to trade you, and Davis says, I'm not going to play, does he get fined every game he sits out? I don't know. I don't think we've ever seen that Ostensibly, before. he should have some sort of punishment for that, right? You yeah, but... Like I said, I don't think we've ever seen that before. I guess Kawhi, but he was technically out with an injury in San Antonio, right? Right, right. My take so, is I don't think – it seems like the Pelicans really don't want to trade him to the Lakers after everything that they pulled last year. Um, plus, there's all of the concerns around Brandon Ingram. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how the Pelicans are valuing the fourth pick. Obviously, that's – a pretty significant trade piece, but I don't know. The rest of their assets have questions around them, for sure. Um, you know, it would be interesting to see what the Celtics are willing to offer. How valuable is Jason Tatum now? Would so I would, several. I would like to trade Kyrie for Davis. But that doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Well, you would trade Kyrie for just a piece of soil. Here's yeah, the thing with here's the, the thing with with that option. If they trade Kyrie, they're probably going to have to package what I just read about um, in our time waiting was um, the 2020 pick that the Celtics are getting from Memphis, which is I think top eight protected. Mm-hmm. And then so it rolls really, over to the next year. Once in 2021, I think it's unprotected. So, right. so if Memphis has another another top pick, top eight pick, then it could be unprotected the following year. Exactly, and that could be a valuable piece in trying to get Anthony Davis. But again, he said he didn't want to sure. go there. But like we know, he doesn't have a say. There's going to be a lot of moving parts this summer, and it's going to be nuts, I think. So, I have several questions for the crowd. 
out there. Um, Kyle, as a resident draft expert. Thank you. What, <laughs> who would go at number four projected right now? I would guess either, if it since it's the Lakers, most likely going to be Jarrett Culver unless the Grizzlies or the Knicks fuck up with the other two shoe-in top draft picks in Ja Morant and R.J. Barrett. So, yeah, as we saw in the that tournament, thing for me is Jarrett, Jarrett Culver doesn't like excite me that much. I don't know, dude. Jarrett Culver has great size for the NBA. He's very smart. He's very agile. He knows how to score at the basket, and he knows how to shoot pretty damn well. That seems like a great player to put next to LeBron James as a young kid if you're not going to get Anthony Davis. I just feel like, for me, it seems like the top three picks are like guaranteed stars, and then after that, I wouldn't feel like any of them are that great of a piece in exchange for Davis. And like I watched Culver in the tournament, and he would just call, like take a bunch of contested mid-rangers and make some of them. He could be. He's a candidate for the next Demar Derozan, Seth. No, he's my, he's got a three point <laughs> shot, and he actually drives to the basket and finishes at the rim. That's true. If it wasn't so, for I don't Culver, know. I just, they Culver wouldn't excite me that much. In, he just wouldn't excite me that much in return for Davis. I don't know. I mean, that wouldn't but, be the only piece they get, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah, but I just think it's kind of poetic that that. The last time a pick like this came around to the Pelicans got them, and now they get a second shot and try not to mess it up this time. Hey, we all deserve a second chance, you know? Not you. It's going to be interesting if they, uh, when they play Zion next to, um, this happens to me every single podcast. Julius Randle? Yes. Basically, Julius Randle on steroids. He right. is actually taking steroids. Yeah, oh, there's a hundred. There's no doubt. There's no doubt, but that's an interesting combo. That's a pretty deadly front court. They're like the same player, though. I wouldn't want Julius if I had Zion. He's just a worse version of Julius. I mean, worse. He's a worse. Well, I mean, Julius is pretty fucking good. You watch your mouth. I'm talking Julius Irving, of course. Kyle just chugs wine. He says, "Watch your mouth," and just chugs his wine bottle. You know what? I'll say it. The Pelicans didn't deserve this. There, I said it. What have they done, huh? They squandered Anthony Davis's prime, and now they just waltz right into the number one pick. I don't like it. I'll be the first to say it. And I think now I hate New Orleans. I'm glad this happened. Like you said. They wanted to do what they could to prevent tanking, so they spread out the odds to get the first pick. Only one team with the highest projected number one pick odds landed even in the top three. Yeah, it's true. It, the NBA has to be happy with this. And it, Even it though it's shows, two small market teams. Sam, in fairness to the Pelicans, it seems like they probably made a good decision like starting to tank last year this past year and like not really playing Davis much because they're like, well, it's not going to work out for us this year. So we might as well give us some chance at number one pick and 4% or 6% was all they needed. Yeah, I know that was smart of them, but I hated it. I mean, it was just like either play him or don't. He played 20 minutes every game. There'd be close games in the fourth quarter and he just, he'd just be on the bench. Hey, you don't got to tell me he was on my fantasy team. 
Seth, Davis was on your fantasy team. Did anyone know that? I but don't I don't know have to tell listeners. you. <laughs> you don't have to tell me that. <laughs> Do you have any more thoughts on the lottery? Um, ja Morant, if if Memphis picks him, could be interesting as a kind of Mike Conley replacement. Please um, use his full Mike Christian comes name, age. Jonathan when Morant. When Mike has his <laughs> Jonathan Morant, when Mike Conley finally has his bot mitzvah, then uh, <laughs> Ja can take over. I absolutely hate that Memphis ended up with that second pick. Honestly. That's such a terrible wow. offense for Ja to be put into, basically forced into. Oh, that is true, yeah. He plays best I when if he's they don't pl- even take him. He plays best when he's playing up. Yeah, they might they might skip him for RJ. I wouldn't be surprised. That, he plays RJ would fit better with Mike. Yeah. He plays best Ja does when he's playing up tempo basketball and can push the ball because his court vision is superior to any other any other player in this draft. And that's not the style of basketball that Memphis is going to play. You know what? What's good is that we can be excited for John Morant or RJ Barrett going at number three to the Knicks because the Knicks have no good players, so we can't say, "Oh, <laughs> can he play with this player or this player?" Well, it doesn't matter; they have no players. So RJ is going to shock everyone. Like I know people were like, thought he was great in college. Oh, Wait until RJ Barrett is in the NBA and at a actual national like spotlight. I mean, I was very impressed with him in the tournament. I think it's going to be great. I think he's going to be incredible. I think the top three players are going to be like all NBA caliber players. Um, I feel like we said that. That's right. You heard it here first. Um, But after that, I'm just not so sure. Maybe it's because I didn't watch a minute of college basketball, so I have no basis of knowledge to go off of. (laughs) You know, I watched intently. Kyle, Kyle, quickly, Bulls number seven. Which we've had for the last like three years. <laughs> uh, hey, <laughs> if you're in Vegas and you're getting seven, seven, seven on the slots, that's lucky, and that's how I'm looking at this. Three number sevens in a row. Happy, more than happy with Lori, who I think has higher potential than Jason Tatum, who everyone thought was like the next big superstar in the NBA. Uh, then we—he definitely has the potential to be the best Finnish player in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he doesn't have the nickname The Finisher for nothing. Um, right. Then we follow that up with Wendell Carter Jr. Jr. Keep in mind, he's three players. And uh, I think this year, the Bulls, what they're going to do is take the best guard, point guard that's available to them. And at that that spot, I'm really hoping for Kobe White from North yeah, Carolina. Yeah, Kobe. Um, yeah, I, I mean, he's... Like we saw during the tournament, which is probably when most people watched him. Great three-point shooter, great rebounder, and really knows how to push the ball. So, um, Plus, he has great hair. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he's more of a scorer than like an actual facilitator, but Zach Levine showed us last year that he could actually do very well as a facilitator on the court. So uh, that's not something I'm worried about. Uh, offense was kind of... What was troubling last year and defense, obviously, but Kobe White isn't a slouch on defense, so I like yeah. that pick for the Bulls if he falls. <laughs> that would be nice. I think that's our biggest need, so because Chris Dunn is just—I think we know who he is by now. He's done. <laughs> Seth is literally not even paying attention. That joke would have killed if he was paying any attention. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Seth's board. All right. Next, we got the second round recaps, which I wrote twoist again somehow. Um, 
<laughs> and we got to go over Raptors 76ers. We got to go over Kawhi's shot. That was that was insane. It was the first um, game seven buzzer beater in NBA history. It hit the rim four times before it went in. Um, and Bede had great defense on that play, but Kawhi was just better. And it's one of the most clutch shots in the NBA history, one of the greatest shots in NBA history. And, um, yeah, I don't know what, what else is there to say about it, boys. There I was at my friend's place watching Game of Thrones. And I said, this is like the worst-case scenario for me because Game of Thrones is on and Game 7 of an NBA playoff game is concluding during yeah. the episode. So I had my phone on my lap, and I was just following like the game score on ESPN, and I saw there was like one-point game with 10 seconds left. I'm like, okay, i got to watch the rest. So I yeah. just pull it up on my phone, and I see Kawhi shooting free throws. Misses, which now, of course, no one's talking about that. And I'm, right, that could have been it. Could have been his fault that they lost. <laughs> right, and Quiet is a very good free throw shooter, so I was surprised. Yeah. And then Jimmy makes that layup, so I was glad that I was able to see the last ten seconds, probably the best ten seconds of the playoffs so far. Um, For sure. But Kawhi's a big time player. He makes shots like that all the time. Obviously, there was a bit of luck with the way it bounced on the rim, but it was also like a makeable shot that he's for sure practiced before. So, hey, good for him for making that and making my prediction that Toronto would win the series correct. So, thanks, Kwai. Yeah, same. And also, it was funny because I just watched it again today. Or I watched the whole like last five minutes for the first time, and. It's just funny to hear him interviewed after the game, right? He just hit a buzzer beater in a game seven for the first time in NBA history. And they're like, how'd you feel about that shot? He's like, felt pretty good, uh, you know? Like, yeah, it was very emotional. Um, why, is he the, why does he have to be like that? The man's a robot. I, he did show some emotion right after hitting it, which I was actually a little surprised by. It's just like, he would be in the normal fans argument for one of the best players in MB- in the NBA right now if he had if he was vocal at all if he had some type of emotion like if he did anything to just like i don't want to say appease fans but like if he did anything to do that like give us something Kawhi. Any, I mean, well, I think he's even. I mean, even the the layman still considers him. I'm sure a top five player, right? I don't know who talks about him. No one. We're talking about him on this podcast right now, and this so is where people come for the in depth in <laughs> information. So I was thinking about it today. I was trying to rank the top players in the NBA right now, like considering the playoffs and everything. You know. LeBron can't still be one, right? But he is on my list. <laughs> well, the only thing is, I feel like if we if he was in the playoffs, he would be the best player again like it was last year. I mean, last year I was looking it up. He was 34-9-9 and 54% shooting for the playoffs. That's insane. And that was just last year, and like people are acting like he's like, can't do that again. I feel like he could have. It's just he doesn't play defense mode. anymore during the regular season. He doesn't. Yeah, so it's hard to say. But <clears throat> and then you have to, I think Kevin Durant's top. 
I mean, I put him, I put him above Kawhi only because his playmaking is better, um, and I think he's just a little better. But then I think Kawhi probably is third. I don't know. I mean, he's got to be at least in the top five. I mean, the only thing that that would drop him at all, he's a better defender than pretty much anyone in the top five, and he's well, Giannis. Um, yeah, except for Giannis, exactly. And he's proven to be a clutch performer in the playoffs time and time mm-hmm. again, which we definitely have to consider. And the only knock on him is that his playmaking isn't as good as others in the top five, I would say. Yeah. Jokic I mean, I don't want to put too five. much too much on just one shot or anything or be too much a prisoner of the moment. but And it was tough to talk about him this year because we didn't know what was happening with the injury, right? You know, and how, if he was going to be the same. But now that he's back, I think... We have to be talking about him like a top three to five player. I agree. I think that top tier kind of keeps expanding. So we have like LeBron and KD that I feel like maybe three years ago were in a tier by themselves with Steph three years ago too. Yeah. And now it's like Giannis is in that same tier. Kawhi is in the same tier. Harden is in the same tier. And Jokic, and that's it. Jokic. And Jokic, yeah. Embiid is knocking it. on the door sometimes. Yeah, that's true. Lillard sometimes. So. Yeah, I wouldn't have too much of a problem, like, the order you rank any of those in the top tier, but I think there, you're right, there is a clear cut difference between about the top seven and the rest, which I feel like there always is, right? Yeah. Yeah, I just think maybe like it's Seth like... Said, there's definitely more this year... And currently in the NBA than there has been in the past. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the talent pool just keeps getting bigger. And now we're about to add and, Zion to that list. But I'm glad that we I'm glad that we have these players that we know are going to take over for LeBron and KD and Steph as they age out, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have the, like, we had the David Lillard discussion. Um, Jokic is young. Giannis is young. So I'm glad to see the league is going to be in good hands moving forward. Right. So outside of the Kawhi shot, what were your takeaways from the series? What do you think that Philly should be doing? Do you think? Mm-hmm. Do you think Toronto's? Like I was confused at how bad Toronto's bench was, and it just seemed like Kawhi was like their entire team. He was. Can I say one more quick thing about Kawhi before we move on? Jeez, um, so needy. This might be like maybe one of the best playoff series anyone's ever played. He scored the third most points ever scored in a playoff series in NBA history, besides uh, Kareem one season and, LeBron, and uh, Michael Jordan another season, which I've heard of them. They're pretty good players, I think. Uh, he averaged thirty-four and ten on fifty on fifty-four percent shooting. So pretty that's good. pretty good. That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a real good player. <laughs> but the rest of his team is ass, huh, gang? Yeah, oh, I did not expect that. While I have the that. floor, though, while I have the floor. Here comes uh, Marc Gasol. <laughs> oh I do need to make one quick Marc Gasol comment, okay? Embiid in the regular season, 28-14 and 14 on 48% shooting. Wow, that's great. 28 points, 14 rebounds, 48% from the field. How efficient. What a player, right? In the second round against Marc Gasol, 18-8 on 36% shooting which is atrocious. So I feel like they got Marcus All just for this series more than anything, and he made it worth it for them because 
they won, and that was a big reason why. Basically, I just want you to tell me that I'm vindicated. I think you were probably right about that. Although, oh there, my god, there was a lot of people talking about how I don't know what it ended up being after Game Seven, but before Game Seven, Embiid was like plus eighty. Um, just like on the court, plus minus, the Sixers were plus eighty with Embiid on the court. So that is, I think true. he was definitely. But I think that's a lot of a function of their backup centers as well, right? Right. And I think he was still affecting the game. And maybe it's because Gasol was playing such good defense that he had to affect the game in other ways. Um, and I'll be interested. We can get to this when we do the preview. But I'll be interested to see if Gasol is going to guard Giannis. Yeah, I bet he doesn't. No. they're gonna Probably Kawhi. Kawhi or Siakam. Kawhi or Pascal, yeah. Mike is just a little probably too slow, right? I don't know how much Mark's going to be able to play in that series, but we'll talk about that later. Well, they have Brooke, so... I mean, does Brooke really... I guess he does space the floor more than Embiid, but I don't. I have faith in Mark in covering that. But yeah, we'll cover that later. Let's talk 76ers real quick. Do you guys think what cha- uh, they're going to make changes this offseason? Because Jimmy, Tobias, and JJ are all free, free agents. Um, Brett Brown may be gone. He's staying. Ben Simmons might be a problem. There was a report that came out that Brett Brown's staying. That's good. I don't think he should leave. Just because Kawhi hit one of the hardest game-winning buzzer beaters of all time. (laughs) Right. I don't think he should be out. But I think Jimmy Butler made his case to be signed for next year with this team. And Tobias, surprisingly, is the one that's in question as to whether they sign him or not. Kind of the same with Ben Simmons. I mean, she showed flashes, but at the same time, he's not a player you can run out there in crunch time, run out there in the fourth quarter. He doesn't have a jump shot. Uh, I was talking to you guys about this, but what Ben Simmons needs is basically the same exact team that Giannis needs. He needs to be surrounded by four shooters that are going to space the floor so that while he has the ball in his hands... It's only him driving to the rim or him kicking out. That's what he needs to do. That's the only yeah. way that I think he succeeds as, you know, one of the best, you know, forms of himself in the NBA. Because right now, like, you can't run a pick and roll with him and Embiid because he's not going to pop out. Embiid's not going to hit him. There's going to be two players rolling to the rim. What are you going to do? You like. It's just too much. So, I think really it comes down to Tobias and Ben Simmons, and obviously uh, JJ's a free agent as well, so I don't know if they have the money to sign him unless they let Ben go. Yeah, I don't think... I think letting Ben go or trading him may be extreme just because he's only in his second year. I mean, you could certainly let him develop on your team and see where that goes. I think that it's it's interesting talking about Tobias and, and Jimmy. Maybe at the start of the year when they, they both got them, we thought Tobias was a better fit for the 76ers. And with Butler's chemistry issues, we I think many of us thought that it would be more wise to re-sign Tobias than to re-sign Jimmy. But in the playoffs when it all mattered, Jimmy performed 
maybe the best. He was probably their most consistent player in the playoffs. Yeah. And Tobias drastically underperformed his expectations. So if I were Philly, I would keep Jimmy and let Tobias go, I think, now, which is, I think, drastically different than what I would have felt early in the season. And I agree with what you said, Kyle, about Brett Brown. Because um, I was listening to uh, the mismatch today, and Chris Vernon said something like this. Like, if they had won, the 76ers had won that game, you know, everyone would be said, wow, what a coaching job from Brett Brown. He, Kawhi Leonard seemed unstoppable, and this is a better team, but they managed to win as the underdogs, and that a lot of credit goes to him. So I think you still have to give credit to him, even though they lost on that buzzer beater, and that shouldn't affect what, whether they keep him or not. So, right. It'll be interesting. I think Ben Simmons is probably the, the crux of the whole team going forward. Which is surprising. But, yeah. You know, what do you think, Seth? Yeah, I'm kind of torn. I, I could see if they could get something like really good for Ben Simmons to just like sell now. I just, but I can also see maybe they just want to ride it out and hope that he develops into something, or they figure out a way to make it work with the pieces that they have or that they get around him. It seems like with their four star players and JJ, they just very rarely would all of them be playing well on the same day. And I mean, maybe that's like part of it. It's like, they're just banking on two of them playing well and that'll be enough. Yeah. But ideally you'd have a team construction where the players make each other better rather than just like relying on taking turns. Mm -hmm. I think that's really difficult. I mean, even with the warriors with KD, I think sometimes they just kind of take turns. Like sometimes Steph has a really good game. Sometimes KD, Almost every game, KD has a really good game, and then, like, we'll see <laughs> who else. But with, like, the Warriors now, I think, like, Steph and Clay now, meaning since KD is injured, and looking back at what their team was like in 2015 and 16, it's like Steph and Clay make each other better, and they mm-hmm. get open, and, you know defenses have to worry about both of them running off of screens and stuff and it makes it easier for the other players and so obviously not every team can be the Warriors but I don't know I can see the Sixers just trying to mostly roll it back and then they'll just continue to like exit the playoffs in the second round and it's well, like well I don't think yeah I think they I mean they can be a little hopeful because Kawhi might leave mm-hmm. um and so maybe the Bucks are their only okay threat that they're left that's with just disrespectful besides the the Boston Celtics of course who uh can't even <laughs> get out of the second round because everyone on their team hates each other what but, a segue uh, we'll go over that to later. the Bucks Celtics huh Oh, I was going to go over Nuggets Blazers first, but yeah, sure, we can do that. <laughs> it's not the best in the biz Bucks for Celtics. nothing, folks. <laughs> no, we'll go over Bucks Celtics. I have written down for this, Seth, do your Celtics eulogy, and Kyle, jerk off the Bucks GM, so whichever one you want to go first. <laughs> go ahead, Seth. Uh, well, I'm done with Kyrie. Um, he was just <laughs> talking up a storm about how he'll just turn the 
um, flipped the switch in the playoffs and he has all this experience he's been in the finals before he's been in clutch moments and then he played like the worst games of his life uh when it counted most against the bucks and it's like he's not worth having on the team if he's going to be a terrible leader and also not be our best player on the court so I'm really not sure what Danny's going to do. I could see them trying to run it back and maybe just getting rid of Rozier, getting rid of Morris, um, you know, maybe making a few small moves like that. And then I could also see this team being like completely different next year and trying to trade for Anthony Davis, giving up Tatum, Horford leaves, Kyrie leaves. Like, I don't know. It was one of the more frustrating Celtic seasons in living memory. It's just not a real fun team to watch. And Kyrie's antics the whole season were just really frustrating. So hopefully next year it'll be a more likable team and some of our young players will continue to develop. Um, and Jason and Jalen will maybe take another step forward towards their potential instead of kind of a, a small step back or staying stagnant. So definitely discouraging exit to the playoffs, losing four in a row there to the Bucks. But I think also Milwaukee deserves a lot of credit. They're a good team. Had obviously the best player in the series. And I still have some hope for the future. Great points. Uh, I just peed for two minutes and I'm back. Didn't hear any of that, but I can only assume it was poetic. It was. Kyle? Um. No, I just, I mean, I agree with everything Seth said. You know, Kyrie, as much as everybody wanted him to be the guy for this team and be the leader that he said he was going to be, he was really the crux of the entire franchise this year. Um, I said it in the middle of the season when he was missing games, this is a better team without him. And what we came to find out find out was kind of a true statement like obviously he's one of the best scorers in the NBA but at the same time he takes away from the team chemistry aspect of spacing the floor and you know making enough passes passing the ball enough to make sure that the the person taking the shot has a good shot is either wide open or is cutting or getting to the rim and a lot of the times it was just Kyrie you know Wanting to play iso ball, I feel like we saw a lot during this series. I mean, he shot eight for twenty-two. Said that wasn't going to happen again in the in the series, and then shot seven for twenty-two. So he wasn't he did wrong twice, and then in the last game he went like six for twenty-one or something. Well, I mean, I'm not going to. He wasn't wrong. Eight and twenty-two didn't happen again. So sure. right. it was even worse the next time. Well, my only thing with Kyrie and the whole situation, I don't know if anyone touched on this while I was peeing, but I feel like so you lose Kyrie, your team chemistry. So much better. Everyone feels better about themselves. Whoever your starting point guard is, Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier, or someone you trade for or pick up of or draft or whatever. But then you're not going to be the Bucks next year. I mean, without Kyrie, I don't think, right? So I don't know if there's going to be any different outcome. Well, if Gordon Hayward is a different player next year. That's true. I need to know what yeah. happened to him in that series because... Coming into yeah. the playoffs and after the first series against Indiana, I know, yeah, it's Indiana. He looked like 
the Utah version of himself where he was assertive, he was driving to the rim, he was, you know, um, he was moving the ball, and for some reason, during this series, he just looked skittish. Every time he touched the ball, he immediately tried to just pass out and give it to someone else. He wasn't that assertive self that we saw the last month and a half of the season for some reason, and uh, we're not going to get answers as to why, but... You know, maybe did something go down in the locker room where someone, you know, Kyrie, you would assume, said something about like, I need the ball. Who knows? We're not going to find that out, but. Maybe he stepped on his foot. Maybe. Stepped on his toes, literally. (laughs) Now, Kyle, did you mean to say he was skittish or Yiddish? Both. You didn't know? Okay, he is Yiddish. Good. Just making sure. (laughs) Um. All right, let's move on. No, no, no. Oh yeah, sorry, Kyle. This jerk is my off time. the <laughs> jerk off the Bucks GM, please. I know this is probably boring for some, probably most of our five listeners, but Kyle, it's not boring to any of us. We love you, baby. As we all know, I'm all about investing in innovation, <laughs> and that's why Daryl Morey has been. You know, a lot of people don't have a favorite GM in basketball, but. Daryl Morey Morey has been mine. Uh, He's just like, analytically, in my opinion, one of the smartest men in the sport and kind of sets the trend or has been setting the trend as to how basketball uh, should be played at the most efficient level. And I was wondering the other day while I was laying in bed, thinking, who is... Who is the GM for the Bucks, and why does no one talk about him? Because his name's John Hammond, right? Or is that the creator of Jurassic Park? John Hammond was uh, the GM before the current GM. So the current That's GM right. is John Horst, who ten years before was shoveling shit um, by cleaning up abandoned and foreclosed uh, um, trailers in trailer parks. Mm. <laughs> And he uh, he worked for John Hammond when he was in college as like an intern, and Hammond got the job with the Bucks and hired him on. So this guy ended up being basically like his right hand man, and was mm-hmm. there and one of the front guys in kind of making sure that Giannis was the one they chose uh, when he was drafted. And he loved um, uh, Chris Middleton, too. But, I mean, John Hammond made those moves. But in 2017, so John Horst became the actual GM when Hammond left. And from there, this team is kind of when we saw transform um, into what is now basically statistically the best team in the NBA. Um, Scoring-wise, one of the best defensive teams in the NBA as well and the first thing he did he uh he fired Jason Kidd incredible move uh passed on the interim coach Prunty and decided Budenholzer was the man for the job so right off the bat starting with a good foot but then he assembled he either had a part he either drafted um signed re-signed or traded for 
11 current players that are in the rotation on the team right now. And so it made me think, like, we talk about how Houston and Daryl Morey built their team around James Harden as a way to get Harden, you know, to be the most efficient of himself as he could be the most efficient scoring-wise. And what Horst did in under two years was build the best team around probably the best young player in the NBA in Giannis so that there's Giannis as the forefront of the team, obviously, might win the MVP this year. Driving to the rim, you know, kicking out when there's not a shot, and he's able to do that because the players that Horse assembled to be able to spread the floor and play very good defense. That was all they needed to do. But obviously, people weren't, that wasn't done before. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I just think we don't talk about the behind the scenes stuff enough. And it's people like him and Maury that are changing the game of basketball and how teams are constructed and making it enjoyable for fans, even though they don't really. That's not what they really care about, you know? Yeah, you're right. He deserves a lot of credit, and I think, you know, Giannis and and Budenholzer have gotten most of it, so... One of my favorite stories when I was reading about him is that when they got... When he came to the team and they got Giannis, it was uh, one of his jobs was to teach Giannis how to drive a car. <laughs> nice. He said it was some of the f- most frightening, enjoyable times of his life. <laughs> that must have been fun, though. Uh. Isn't that yeah. the guy Chris Vernon met at, like, Sloan or something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all I know about him. All right, my boner's That's gone. That's really good, Seth. I looked up a picture of him. He looks like me if I was, uh, he looks like me if I didn't have a beard and if I had any hair to speak of on the top of my head and if I was less sweaty. And you look completely different? Yeah. Gotcha. Why do you ask? Uh, let's quickly hit Nuggets Blazers. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but this was the other Game 7 from the weekend. CJ came up really clutch in that game seven, scored 37 points. Evan Turner sighting, he was able to come in in, in the fourth and give them uh, a spark plug that they needed. Um, Jokic certainly wasn't his fault that they lost. In fact, he went, he averaged 29, 13, and 9 in the playoffs, uh, which is pretty good, I think. And um, so I just have a couple things here. Um, any thoughts on the game seven, and then any thoughts on the Nuggets? future going forward any offseason moves you see for them and what their future holds Seth why don't you uh go ahead I think Nuggets are looking good I think both of these teams showed you know that they belong in the conversation of the top of the west I think we probably agree that both the Rockets and the Warriors are a step above them um Mm -hmm. but of course a lot can change in the offseason as well I love Lillard, or starting with Denver first. I think Jamal can continue to develop, hopefully be a little bit more consistent. I like him a lot. The team basically goes as far as he goes. Um, But Jokic is awesome. Love to see him. It would be cool if they got someone else on a podcast was talking about like getting a, a bigger scoring wing for them, like a Tobias Tobias Harris type. 
So that would be that would be dope. that would be nice for them. I think that would be um, perfect. And then on the Portland side of things, I think Lillard and CJ showed that having two guard players can get you pretty far. Um, who are your stars? And they didn't have Nurk, so getting Nurkic back right. next year, um, and then I don't know if the Huff Cantor, but with the progression of Zach Collins. I think they've got a lot of good things to look forward to. And by all accounts, probably these two teams have some of the best cultures, team cultures, um, organizational systems, along with the Spurs. You know, So I think that'll bode well for both of these teams in the future. I'm just going to jump in real quick here. I, I loved what I saw from Jokic in this playoffs. I think a lot of people... You know, this was his breakout year in the regular season. A lot of people said, okay, that's great, all well and good, but is it going to translate to the playoffs? And it trans- definitely translated to the playoffs. He, he was, was better the in the playoffs than he was in the regular right, season. Right, and he was one of the best three players in the playoffs so far, I would say, behind Kawhi and uh, KD. So I think he's going to be in the MVP, MVP discussion for years to come, and I'm just excited to see him grow as a player, and he's one of my favorite players to watch too. I'm glad you've joined the dark side. Oh, I've been there, baby. <laughs> I know you have. Um, yeah, uh, I was obviously had a very hard weekend with Houston losing and Denver losing. Two Stogie Boy sweethearts. Um, <laughs> the bells of the ball. <laughs> I think it kind of shows like McCollum has, you know, on the Portland side. I think he's overlooked a lot because of Dame being on that team, but Dame didn't have it going offensively on Sunday in a game seven. But yeah. he did everything else on the floor right. Yeah. McCollum stepped up and did what he needed to do to basically will a team, will his team to the next round of the playoffs. Uh, I don't think it should be understated, though, that if it wasn't for the ghost of Evan Turner, they wouldn't have made it to this series with the Warriors. Um, they straight up reanimated his corpse. But at the same time, I'm not surprised at what he did because Rodney Hood was doing the same thing all series, and that's kind of the glaring hole of the Denver team that they need to address this upcoming season. Um, bigger wing players that could drive to the basket, they don't yeah. have anyone to defend that. Gary Harris showed that he can be an awesome defensive player when he's guard, you know, against different point guards or shooting guards. Um, and I right. think that's very um, encouraging going forward. And he was underutilized offensively. Uh, Gary, Har- Gary Harris, um, Jamal Murray showed that he's a defensive liability and that needs to big- be the biggest thing that he works on in the offseason. Uh, he was attacked not just sure, yeah. in the Portland series, the series before. Um, but Jokic just you know, solidified himself as one of the best players in the NBA, even at, what, 22 years old. Like the man maybe, scored, uh, I think he averaged, what, 29-12-8? and 29-13-8? I just said earlier like it was 29-13-9. Even better. <laughs> and uh, maybe, he, maybe I, the player they need is like the Jimmy Butler type, honestly. Maybe. I think Gary or Tobias Harris would be a great fit, like Seth said. Um, he plays great. He's, he plays a great two-way game, and that's kind of what they need. They need someone to guard those bigger wing players on opposing teams. 
But um, one of my favorite things, even though Denver lost, was Jakic going to the podium and saying, I know this is a team game, but I can't help but think this is my fault. I don't usually miss free throws, or at least those big free throws, and I miss big free throws down the stretch in two games, two pivotal games, meaning the the overtime games, that four overtime game, and then game seven. If he makes one more of those free throws, I think we have a different discussion in, you know, who's playing the Warriors right now. And I just think mm-hmm. that shows at 22 years old in the NBA a lot of maturity um, and kind of putting a whole yeah. team on his back, and that's just Definitely. awesome to see from a young player. Yeah, you'd love to see that from your franchise player, especially as a young young player. And it was great to see him being able to play big minutes in the playoffs because his conditioning and you know his, <laughs> has been questioned. His all body year. type has definitely been in question, but he played sixty five minutes in that four OT game, and he dude. averaged like I don't know forty minutes. I think for the I playoffs. had an aneurysm so that he, game. He proved he could. Yeah, me too, dude. Uh, let's <laughs> just chug his wine. All right. Well, we've waited long so long to talk about it. Kyle, your reckoning has come. Would you like to apologize to America for picking the Rockets to beat the Warriors? I think I should no. wait until I'm home. Um, okay, if butt-ass naked, you guys can grab some bells. I'll walk down the street, and uh, you can just yell shame at me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it'll be my walk of atonement. Yeah. Good. Um, we need that. Uh, I still think, obviously, Houston should have won that series. <laughs> Especially... <laughs> Especially with the Durant injury. Oh my god. You you don't think they should have won? They're just not as good as the Warriors, so no. I think they had an opportunity <laughs> to win and they right. didn't. But they weren't good enough. I think yeah. the better team won. So yeah. the thing with this was honestly I think I'm not going to straight out say the Durant injury helped them in Game 7, the Warriors, that is. There was no Game 7? No, I'm talking about Game (laughs) 7. But at the same time, I think the Durant injury (laughs) helped the Warriors in Game 7. So you did straight out say it, and you said the wrong game again. No, no, no. I meant Game 7. Six. Of what? Wait, so which game are we talking about? (laughs) I'm half a bottle deep, boys. Cut me a break. Get that grape juice off your hands right now. (laughs) No, um, Durant being out kind of reinvigorated. Help them in game six, you might say. (laughs) Reinvigorated (laughs) the 2015 Warriors of old. um, Yeah. You know, with a lot more movement uh, with the ball. We didn't obviously have one player dominating in ISO possessions like we saw with KD the majority of the series. And not being able to focus on only one player was a huge problem for Houston because they didn't have the likes of, you know, obviously they had P.J. Tucker, but Trevor Reza last year did a great job. And it's just, for some reason, they didn't have what it, they didn't have what it takes to pull out that win in such a pivotal game on your home court. Um, Steph yeah. was electric in the fourth quarter. I don't think anyone was going to be able to stop him no matter what anyways. I mean, he scored, what, 20-some points in the fourth? 23? Yeah, he had zero points at halftime. 
and he ended up with 33 right in the game, and most of them were in the fourth quarter. 23 points, I think, in the fourth quarter. Uh, Clay Thompson carried them the first half of the game. And I don't know what got into Draymond during the playoffs, but he looks like the Draymond of old again. And it's kind of concerning. I didn't expect that, obviously, going in to continue. And that's why one of the big reasons I picked Houston. But at the same time, we have to question what happened during game game five. (laughs) Pardon me. Uh, Durant goes out and James Harden takes a total of three shots in the final quarter of a game to tie the series. Like, but honestly, not no, tie I'm the, the series, biggest, but I'm, I'm the biggest James Harden. Uh, I'll be the first to say that he hasn't showed up in the playoffs as much as I want him to. But I think he was good enough in game six. Um, I don't think he certainly didn't seem to shy away from the moment. I mean, he went like five for eight in the fourth quarter or something like that. And he um, I think he played well enough to win in game six. So I'm happy with that from him. But I think that. No, but game five was at that point the enough. most important thing on their on their plate. Yeah. And he that had. That was odd. And I that's think another was, thing you have to add to Harden's resume. I think he was 13. He just didn't show up. Or what was he? He was like 12 for 18 or 12 for 19 from the floor in the first three quarters and then didn't take a single shot until about five minutes left in the game well, you can't he doesn't that... take a shot he's not involved at all he just stands in the corner and he's no threat at all exactly i texted you about this like i know he checked <laughs> into the fourth quarter with seven minutes left and from that point he made one technical foul free throw one layup which is basically in garbage time had like one rebound and that was it and it's like one yeah, assist. How is this the team? Maybe one assist. Yeah. How is this the team where they had Harden had like one of the highest usage rates in NBA history this year, and then in their most important right. section of the most important game of their season, he's just not doing anything. It was as if Durant and Harden got injured and missed the whole fourth quarter. Right. It was like wow. I don't. And that's what's been so puzzling with Harden in the playoffs is that. And he he had a decent series, but he just doesn't seem to take the next step in the playoffs, right? He's always just like a little worse than he was in the regular season. Yeah. And that's just that's my biggest knock on him, and it's why I just can't trust it during the regular season. Maybe it's there's something a little more defendable about it when you see him seven times or, you know, whatever, six or seven times in a series and you get used to it. I'm not sure. Or maybe he doesn't get the same calls in the playoffs. Kyle will probably agree with that. But it just doesn't seem to translate as much as you'd like. But, you know, if I'm the Rockets, listen, we got outplayed, and there's no excuse for the way we got outplayed in the end of the series, and our defense wasn't good enough. Clint has to be better. I mean, if they're like, he, he was, was a non factor, he couldn't even catch a ball. That was the most And I'm going to catch a ball thing, later tonight, if you know what I'm saying. The most aggravating and, thing uh, watching. Yeah, and um, Chris wasn't was on and off. Um, and I just think that they just had to be better. But you're you're still pretty excited about the future because if Durant leaves, right? You know, maybe the Warriors are still the favorite for the title, but certainly not as prohibitive of a favorite. I would think about picking Houston in that series, especially without Durant. Um, so I think they, they're still in a good place. I don't think they're going to make any huge moves in the offseason. Maybe try to add a little more 
defense on the wing. Here's I, before we move on. I was just gonna say one more thing. Yeah. Uh, I just love watching the Warriors without Kevin Durant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just love watching. At the end of the game, they would just do a, a Steph and Draymond pick and roll every time, and Houston just couldn't stop it because they would trap Steph. He would pass to to Draymond, right? Which is, I guess, what you have to do because you have to make sure Steph doesn't can't get that pull up three. And then Draymond has several choices, right? He can go for the floater, he can lob it to Looney, he can kick it out to Clay, or he can stop for another screen and hand it off to Steph. And he just seems to always make the right decision, and that's that's the scenario where I really just love watching Draymond and Steph work like that because they're so smart and they've done it for so long together. It's just beautiful to watch, and I just prefer it over Kevin Durant isolation, which you know may be unstoppable as well, but just is not as aesthetically pleasing i feel like yeah one of the one things that i was thinking about in regards to houston was comparing last year and this year uh i think if you think about it the chris paul trade was the best thing that could have happened to the team for last year's playoff run chris paul was incredible all playoffs last year and the way the team was constructed it worked perfectly but this year Chris Paul wasn't himself for a lot of the season and we saw even Mm -hmm. during the series that some nights it just wasn't his way and I think without the trade and they still had Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell this team of this year would have been much better off having those two guys and Pat Beverly than what they have currently but last year i don't think we could have said that yeah i agree yeah i mean gordon was their second best player and if you're playing a team where steph is your second best player and then you're the best second best player is eric gordon you're just not gonna win you know i mean that's what it comes down to seth any final thoughts on this i know you always have final thoughts that's why i always ask you baby I'm excited to see what will happen with both teams next year. But, yeah, I got to go in a few minutes, so let's do rapid-fire predictions on uh, conference final round. Okay, so let's do Warriors-Blazers first. Full full disclosure, the Warriors are, have basically wrapped up the first game. They'll probably so win the first anyone, game. They're up by 20 with 35 seconds left. So if anyone picked the Blazers to sweep, then I would be <laughs> a little A little worried. <laughs> Uh, I I picked Warriors in five. I think I I really realistically I could see this being a long series, but especially with Durant being out for the first few games. But I could also see the Steph and Clay and Draymond Warriors just saying "fuck you guys, we're good too, remember us," and just trying to really step on the throat of the Blazers and you know come out to a two or three zero lead. So I'm more banking on that, and I. I think that the Warriors will get it done against them even without Durant. Right. I agree. Um, as much as I hate the Warriors. <laughs> oh, my God. What is happening right now? Kyle, you want to Port- take my Draymond jersey? <laughs> Portland just doesn't have the firepower to keep up with yeah. them, especially once they get Kevin Durant back. Yep. Lillard I was picked a sweep, actually. Lillard was 4 of 12 in game one. He's just kind of in a little mini slump, it seems like. So if he like yeah. starts hitting like raining from deep, I think they could win a couple games. I have Warriors in six, I believe. But yeah, it sounds like mm-hmm. we're all in agreement on this one. Yep. 
Alright, well then no need to fucking talk about it any further, am I right, boys? Jesus. Uh. Alright, so... This is the series I'm most excited for. Bucks-Raptors. You have Kawhi versus Giannis. Uh, one seed versus two seed. Maybe you could argue the two best teams in the league this year. Um, and... I'll just go first, because fuck it, why not? I picked Milwaukee in five, and then I said, wait, no, Kyle... Let's do Milwaukee in six. Wait, no, Toronto in four. (laughs) (laughs) So I think I feel pretty confident the Bucks are going to win this series because um, in the last, it wouldn't necessarily surprise me greatly if the Raptors won because Kawhi has been so good, but I just don't think that Lowry or Gasol or their other ancillary players have shown enough for me to have confidence in them beating a Bucks team that's so deep with, with Brooke and... Chris and okay, so this is literally blowing his <laughs> microphone. Is there something you want to tell me? <laughs> Gasol hasn't shown enough for you. You not offensively, no. You worship at the temple of Marc Gasol. I wash his feet as the disciple he is of me. <laughs> <laughs> Put the non-Christian kids to bed. I uh, I just don't think like offensively they're all just scared to take shots. Besides, was Kawhi. I feel like and nobody in in. Uh, Milwaukee's like that. They have Bledsoe and, and Middleton and Brooke who are not shy. So I'm going to take the Bucks in this one. But I could see it being a long series, but I could also see it being a short series because it hasn't happened yet. Oh. <laughs> Shit. Kyle, what you got? Did I say what I picked? I picked Bucks in six, right? You said yeah. five. No, yeah, I said then six. I texted Kyle and said, no, never mind, six. Um, I think the series <laughs> is going to be great. Uh. After what we've seen of Kawhi this playoffs and what we know of Kawhi in you know previous years playoffs, this is when Kawhi is at his best, and he's gonna be going against arguably one of the arguably the best player in the league in Giannis, and there are two different styles of play, which I think is gonna be interesting. And Kawhi is one of the best defensive players. There are, in my opinion. Um, so, really, what happens when you have an unstoppable force and an immovable object? Is that how it goes? That is. Yeah, um, that was shockingly <laughs> correct. Poetic. <laughs> um, we're going to find out the series. I think the the Bucks pull it out, but in our playoff pool, I also assumed that most people, if not everyone, was going to pick the Bucks, and I'm down by a lot of points, so I chose the Raptors in six. That's fair. Playing the odds. I, I have a nice cushion because I picked correctly in, in previous rounds. So I, I had one game I correct last, last round. <laughs> or one series. <laughs> I wavered on this one. I was tempted beyond belief to pick Toronto, but just... I didn't see enough, kind of like what Sam said in this previous series. Yeah, I really felt like they should have taken care of the Sixers earlier. And yeah. I think that if the Bucks shoot well from the outside, they'll be able to, to take control of the series. So I have the Bucks. I think I said seven, though. The, um, one, thing, the one thing about the Toronto side of this that I really like, obviously, is Kawhi, and that I have a feeling that Kawhi is thinking of this as this is my um, this is my redemption to face the Warriors 
because of what Andrew Bogut mm-hmm. did to me a couple years ago. Pachulia. When, or Pachulia, Zaza. What Zaza did to me a couple years ago mm-hmm. and took me out of a series in which they probably would have won because of the way Kawhi was playing. They had a chance, so, at least. I don't know about probably. I mean, won. it was game one. Who's to say it? <laughs> yeah, but like we said, how Kawhi performs in the playoffs and just the players that he had around him on that team, plus the best coach in the NBA, I think they had better than just like a normal shot at beating the Warriors in that series. And I feel like Kawhi's the type of guy that's going to carry that with him and do all he can this series to get back to that stage to say, fuck you, Kevin Durant, fuck you, Steph Curry. I am the best player in the NBA. Even though he doesn't show emotion. He he did wear a shirt the other day off the plane that just said fun guy with a period. Yeah, I did like that. (laughs) It would be so poetic if Kawhi finally beat the Warriors, but it wasn't even on for the Spurs. Yeah. (laughs) He beats the Warriors. That would be kind of nice. Not even that. that He wins the championship and just leaves. Yeah, that would be savage. I bet he wouldn't, though. I think whatever the finals is, it's going to be fun to see either Kawhi versus Durant or Giannis versus Durant, assuming KD comes back healthy. We have a lot to look forward to. Yeah. And we have a lot to look back on. But nothing's in the present. (laughs) Any final thoughts, boys? Oh, do you realize this is our 16th episode? The present is a present, and that's why it's the present. I can't believe we've made it 16 episodes. Should we just call it quits now? Probably. No, I think we call it NBA Lottery Reaction Playoff Two Round Recap Semifinals Preview. Holy shit, Kawhi, have a semi. I have a semi, yeah. (laughs) To be clear, I mean, I'm half flaccid, half erect. He does not Uh, own a a 16-wheeler. All right, any thoughts before we uh, close it out? How dare Um, you ask me that? I don't think so. I think... uh, all we got is without Freddie ado, something happened on the third day. I think Freddie Ado rose from the dead after I killed him. <laughs> Freddie Ado rose again. <laughs> <laughs>